So before we get into this episode, I'd just like to acknowledge that we're recording on Jar Jar Rung country and I'd like to pay my respect to elders past, present and future. Welcome back to another episode of Country Creatives. We're your hosts, Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. Thanks for joining us. We've got a really cool episode coming straight at you. Well, this is action-packed. Like, it's fully packed. It's not a super long episode, but there's so much in it, Reese. Yeah, it is really cool listening to you nerd out about videography and filming and the <laughs> filming industry. That's cool, but... We go even deeper and learn about the whole process of a new startup and what it takes to take that from concept through to launch. Tom from Jub Jub. Man, let's get into it. All right. Thomas, thank you so much for coming in to the studio to record with Reese and I. I cannot wait to unpack all of the crazy cool things that you're doing at the moment and your journey so far. So thanks for jumping on. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. So I think the best place to start is Tom McCarthy. Tell us a little bit about your creative journey into what you're doing now. Absolutely. I'm sure your listeners are going to be able to gather there's a bit of an English accent in here. Yeah. Born, raised in England, lived in Hong Kong for a while, also New Zealand, found myself in Australia now, um, and I'm building a business called Job Job. And what we're doing is... We're digitizing film ownership rights, and that allows us to monetize video streaming watch time. Now, that sounds impressive, and but also not very sexy, but we're building an application on top of that technology, which essentially allows filmmakers to come together with their community of fans and fund projects. And the difference is when other audiences come watch your films together, they're not paying us as a platform directly. They're paying the filmmaker and having that funds distributed amongst their backers and the creatives that help them produce the work. He's jumped straight into the sales pitch there, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can tell you have explained this concept many times. How many times do you reckon you will have explained what Jub Jub is? I, I actually can't remember, but obviously <laughs> you can tell I've been pitching VCs and investors because I went straight into here's a sense of market size, not, man, we're building this cool thing, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's, here's the money side, people. <laughs> That's true. So you're building an industry disruptor. I'm keen to know, what's your background? What led you to this point? What are your creative strengths that have... We'll get to the details of the business, but give us a bit of an intro to yourself as a creative. So I've been into filmmaking since I, I was a kid. Everyone loves movies. I got my first camcorder at 15, was trying to use the eyepiece, didn't realise there was like a little side monitor on the thing that made life a lot easier. And that eventually led me to writing stories, script development, took myself off to film school, which was a fantastic experience. But I always wanted to make sure that... I was never creatively limited by only knowing how to shoot and write, so I ended up studying visual effects. And that kind of led into my professional career. So I ended up working at big companies such as Framestore, Industrial Light and Magic, as a paint and roto artist, digital compositor. That was really good fun, but I obviously got the itch to pick up the camera again after a while and set up my own production company. And at the same time, I was. this would have been 2017, I started getting into digital assets, so your Bitcoin, your cryptocurrencies and stuff and really began to understand the technology that was lying under it and how it worked. And that kind of fused with my production experience because suddenly I was taking on all these cryptocurrency clients. 
segue in six months later, I'm now finding myself as like head of creative and production at a cryptocurrency company. We're building the technology. I'm understanding it, understanding the ecosystem and the pain points it resolves. And I'm like, man, this is going to be so good for film. If we can just change like the underlying economics of how a film is financed and produced, we're going to liberate a lot of people. And unfortunately, my last job, well, fortunately now for Job Job, wrapped up. And I was like, look, it's now or never. Let's go build Job Job. I know what I'm doing. I've had startup experience. I've got film experience. Let's give this a shot. That is just, it's full on. Like, I love how casually you say, <laughs> if we can change the economics of film, the just to paint the picture for our listeners, like filmmaking has been done a certain way for hundreds of years. <laughs> like it's been financed a certain way through big studios and there's very set in stone processes. And because the films are expensive, right? Like really expensive, big ones. If you want to inject a lot of resource in there, especially with your background, like from ILM, like that level of visual effects costs a lot, right? What are we talking about? I know, a bit of jargon going on here between the <laughs> film guys over ILM. Yeah, in, industry. In, like, in, George Lucas, when he made Star Wars, he was like, I'm going to set up a visual effects shop. So they built all the miniatures and the Millennium Falcon and his visual effects house was called Industrial Light and Magic. Obviously, Jurassic Park came along and everyone's, well, we need computers. So Industrial Light <laughs> and Magic is now his big visual effects house. Okay, cool. Good bit of context there. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> and we just casually call it ILM now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so paint us a bit of a picture of the space that you're building to disrupt, which is really what you're doing, what this platform is. As Reese mentioned earlier, it is an industry disruptor because it's changing the way things can happen. Can you paint us a bit of a picture for those who aren't aware of the scale of investment required and how films traditionally get made from investment to concept to distribution look so the film industry like if you're talking a big hollywood film you're talking in hundreds of millions of dollars for production and post-production and then probably the same amount of investment again in marketing these films need to be cracking a billion dollars just to be worth it for the investors that's an incredibly high threshold and to be able to achieve that you're actually finding that filmmakers are saying look we're not going to okay any film production or project unless it's got a significant ip and fan base behind it which is why you've got your marvels and your star wars and now you're going to get video games because that's for the amount of investment that they need that's what's considered relatively safe so as much as what i think job job is doing in terms of disruption we're actually just picking up all the people that mainstream filmmaking left behind and that's the indie artists and that's the people who actually make the films people want to see they might not necessarily be the big hollywood blockbuster but i can think immediately two off the top of my head of australian like great films that i saw the castle and strictly ballroom and they don't require these million dollar budgets but those films have heart yeah. and mm. oh yeah that will get people's names on the map and that will get people excited and those are the films that i want to come and support with job yeah, that's amazing. I love it. We've done an episode with Kylie Eddy on the art of lean filmmaking. And it's I can see this combination of things happening in the film industry where people yeah. are a little bit sick of how it's just always been done. And there actually are openings in the industry to make things better with some pretty obvious blockages that the market is held by these huge companies. But I'm really keen to hear a bit more about Jub Jub specifically and what that is and how you're, how will you disrupt the industry? 
Oh, that's a big question. So with Job Job, what we're doing is essentially just saying, look, I reckon there's a community of artists that want to be supported that can go out there and pull together their fans so that they can pull resources together to produce this work. Now, obviously, everyone say, yeah, it's called crowdfunding, Tom. Congratulations. And I would agree with you. However, most crowdfunding platforms are designed for multiple different mediums. We're saying, look, let's build one specifically for film and actually give people proper rewards that support filmmaking. Normally, you'll find, okay, here's some T-shirts. Maybe you'll get a come to a red carpet event if you put in like a crazy amount of money or some on-set photos. I'm like, look, we're a creative economy. Let's, rather than as the platform, I take all the funds, I'll act as a broker and allow all the people who backed you to receive some of the residuals as well. And then they can use that money that they receive to either watch more films or back other new projects. And we're essentially creating an economy where the fans are supporting the creators, you know, being benefiting themselves for taking that sort of jump. That's, it's huge. So let's just unpack this to really paint the picture because it's a new concept. And especially for people who are not necessarily initiated in filmmaking or even in crowdfunding and everything like that. So let's, uh, the way you described it to me to start with, you often say it's like Kickstarter cross with Netflix, right? So you, you've got a community that come together that want to support film, they want to see indie films being made, and you've got the filmmakers and the artists themselves as well. So that's your pool of people. I'm testing out my my comprehension Naming of it what so you, far. <laughs> great. Okay, we've got the audience that are coming to the platform. They are thinking, do I, I want to stream some great content? I want some film, some entertainment that's going to mean something, you know, what whatever people are coming to streaming platforms for, and they go, oh, do I get Stan, Netflix, do I get them all? How many do you have, Reese? How many oh, streaming three platforms? Three or four platforms Ooh, I reckon I'm subscribed to. Man, it's I mean, what's free that, like $50 a month? Oh, I don't even know. What? Don't even look at it. <laughs> it's scary, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a lot of money. So Jub Jub is entering that mix, but it's so much different in that all of those other platforms, as you said, the, the platform takes the profit and they decide what they fund, what they support. And uh, a lot of their major motivation is we will fund projects that we know or there's a high likelihood we'll get a return from. That's just how their model works. But the audience comes to JubJub and they go, I can stream some cool content, some local content, some indie films, but it's different than just consuming. I can participate in this by supporting projects that I like the idea of. So there's an element that you can jump on there and see different projects that are in development or pitching and then once a project is fully funded, and you can correct me if any of these steps aren't right, once a project gets up and running, it's in production, you can follow that journey on the platform. But then when it's distributed on JubJub, you stream it, you watch it on there. Um, but as a supporter that's put in some money for this film, you will get some money back based on the revenue that film makes on JubJub. Have I got anything wrong here? That That is it. So basically, Whoa. when an audience member comes, signs up to JubJub, their wallet has two functionalities. One, you can use it to stream something, and therefore that money doesn't go to us as a platform. It goes to the creators and the people who help support that project. Or you can be one of the people that supports a project and brings it to life, at which point you'll receive some of the residuals as well. Wow. And so we're creating this economy where the money's staying on the platform. It's flowing between different users because you're the people bringing the value to it. Job jobs just essentially, I say to people, we're a broker. That's it. We just say, here's your audience and here's your creators. That's really cool. And I hadn't pieced that part of the story together where if you back something that makes money and it goes back into your surplus, 
you can then either reinvest that in other films you want to see happen or it pays for your subscription or whatever it is. It can be a self-sufficient kind of experience that almost pays for itself. That was my vision for the audience was like, look, if you're you're such an amazing supporter of projects, eventually you get to the point where, you know, you're just watching for free and you could support your family's streaming subscription. Mm. Wow. There's a word in there too that you said that it all of a sudden clicked for me about this back, your background in cryptocurrency when you said the wallet function is like, ah, there it is. There's something happening in the background there that links into that new crypto system. Sure. Obviously, that's a part of it. Did you want to explain how that ties in? I'll be perfectly honest with you. The cryptocurrency part will be an underlying technology. You're not going to have to buy a token that jumps up and down in price. That's not how it works. It literally is just a way of cheaply transacting between different parties. We're not going to have a token. Your wallet function will operate just like a Google account. It doesn't need to be scary. In fact, I'm not looking to engage the cryptocurrency world because I think it's full of jargon and we need to be talking to the people we're helping, not each other. It's interesting that potentially, though, even though it's not this whiz-bang feature, that's what helped to feed the idea? Yes. So obviously, if I was sitting there saying to you, like, okay, I'm going to transfer you 50 cents a month because that's what the residual is, a bank would look at me and go, that's going to cost our accountant and banking $20 to do. Are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) And I'll probably go, no, I'm okay, thank you. This model doesn't work. (laughs) But thankfully, when you're dealing with a transaction that takes a fraction of a penny to do, that, that suddenly becomes worthwhile. And you've now got an economic model that makes more sense for people where they don't need to be stumping up a large amount of capital to actually be receiving some back. I think it's a much fairer Mm. system. Yeah. I love it. Wowzers. Reese, do you feel like you've got your head over what Jub Jub is? It makes sense. Yeah. I feel so like I, under, I understand it. <laughs> I'm obviously, like a few little challenges are popping up in my head of all where the little sticky pain points are and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of keen to hear what are the major challenges because obviously the, the concept sounds sane. You don't sound insane with a concept <laughs> like this, but it's if it was just easy to do, someone might have already done it. So you're yes. kind of already in this space. What are the big hurdles that you're up against? I think the big hurdles are convincing filmmakers that just because filmmaking has been done a certain way, it doesn't have to continue to be done that way. So many of us think red carpet, big premieres, magazine shoots, that's PR. That was how Hollywood did it because they had the resources to do it that way because that used to be difficult. You don't need any of that. Come make a film, come interact with the audience, cut out the rubbish. (laughs) I think that's a big hurdle. And then Mm. also audiences' perception of uh, production value. The reason these films cost millions of dollars is an expensive thing to pursue. And I think matching the audience's expectations with realistic budgets will probably be a little bit difficult. Mm. But those are going to be growing pains and eventually Job Job will definitely tackle that. Yeah, I love, Reese that you mentioned Kylie earlier because when I first connected with Thomas, I was like, yep, this is it. There's a really clear movement that both Jub Jub and The Art of Lean Filmmaking are both contributing together without any connection, existing connection. Like, you don't know Kylie, do you? You've never heard of The Art of Lean Filmmaking? I had them, but I've had a really good chat. We had a fantastic conversation. Great, great. So glad you could connect because, as I said, you're both contributing to this new way of making filmmaking more accessible to a wider range of filmmakers that have it within them to make great content that really matters, that can contribute to our culture and our society. That is something that filmmaking is uniquely positioned to do, right? It it leads culture in so many different ways. Absolutely. So on my journey here um, on the train, I was actually playing, I'm showing 
my immaturity here legend of zelda breath of the wild and i was like this story is fantastic like video yeah. games are just surpassing film in being narrative generation yeah and the ideological standpoint of why i'm making jub jub is i think stories are super important for bringing people together and creating a sense of community and as a society we've actually given that over to entities whose sole purpose is financial gain which is fine but it shouldn't be the only way yeah so um, true and i think if we bring people together we can produce a lot of beautiful stories I don't, I don't want to go into the art of lean filmmaking too much, but I'm seeing this synergy between if you're an early backer of a certain concept or film and you tie that together with the lean filmmaking idea, you've got your audience of people who want to watch it and review it. And if you're wondering what the hell they're talking about, go back and listen to the episode with Kylie Eddy for a bit of context. But I'm just seeing like a huge amount of synergy between these two kind of ventures and how one can fund the other and one can help build communities for the other. If I can build on that. So the one of the functionalities that we're actually doing within JobJob is allowing the filmmaker to come in and add the ability to give some of the revenue share to their cast and crew. The idea being that actually reduces your cost of production. Therefore, a film that would have cost you 20000 to make is now ten. And the difference is you're just saying, look, come together, come work with me you're going to benefit just as much as I am. And this way we can actually get communities and groups together constantly working, constantly changing roles. Your time is being spent essentially creating a yield-producing asset rather than just I'll work for free or for half my rate that I would normally charge. Amazing. Super cool. Yeah. And I was going to say earlier that the big picture is it's allowing our communities and our people to tell our stories, the stories that resonate most from a grassroots level rather than the bigger entities that are the money-making machines identifying emotional stories that are going to land with people. But the overarching idea is how many people can we get to watch this to pay us rather than the motivation being this is a story that needs telling no matter how much money it's going to make. Beautifully said. I was walking through Bendigo and I was just like, man, you could bring this entire town together to tell an amazing film and the budget you need to raise wouldn't be massive and you could actually have everyone contribute. Imagine being able to staff your unit with food from local restaurants and you say, look, I'll give you a 2% rev share of what we're actually bringing in. Wow. Like that, that is how That's I big. see us all creating stories together. Love it. Okay. For those, I, I bet there's a bunch of people listening that are like, this sounds so cool. <laughs> when can I access this where is it how can i follow this journey we're going to get into some more of your startup journey and things like that but i want to just round out this explanation of what jub jub is with where the project's at now sure so we are just about to finish pre-development i'm talking to various backers at the moment hoping to have all that closed june july time which will mean we go into development and realistically we'll be launching probably tail end of quarter one 2024 Love so that would be March time next year. And when wow. you say launching, is that's an app on your smart TV that you just download and subscribe to? What? How would people engage or how can they follow along the journey? Do you have socials and stuff? So I have, I'm very slack with the socials, I'll be honest. <laughs> but if you want to if you want to come join our newsletter, we're jubjubapp.com, so J-U-B-J-U-B-A-P-P.com. You can either sign up as a filmmaker or an audience member. Feel free to also email me at t-o-m-dot-m-double-c-a-r-t-h-y at jobjobapp.com um, is there a way i can share it and then easily oh yeah totally and yeah it'll like, be in the show notes they're like oh my god that english accent i just can't follow along <laughs> uh, yeah so sorry I've no that's, yeah, that's great how you can follow so yeah jobjobapp.com sign up for the newsletter you'll get updates on progress i'm assuming yes absolutely we also have a discord down the bottom feel free to come chat with me i'm i want to give filmmakers as much attention as possible so mm. yeah don't hesitate to reach out 
I love it. Switching gears a little bit, the, there may be some people here listening that aren't necessarily, I don't know who they would be, they're not engaged in watching <laughs> in, entertainment and making films, but, <laughs> but they're out there. But they may be very interested in your startup journey. So run us through a bit of a step-by-step of how you actually got going with this, what is a tech startup? So I would not classify myself as an entrepreneur. I, I got I got one possibly good idea. I don't know how people do this in a serial manner. But first thing was studying. I understood the problem and I understood the market. I've been in the industry for a while. And then first thing I joined was an accelerator program. They've got a fantastic one here called Hyper. They're based out of Sydney and they I did their accelerator program and they went through, made sure that we were suited and booted. Our business plan made sense. The economics was there. Yeah, so that would be my first port of call is go along, talk to some professionals, people who've raised businesses before, and you've got to go in and put in all the legwork of building this business, but uh, there are many resources available to you to build. So it's you didn't just go, I'm going to go this on my own and figure it all out. There's, there is much smarter ways of getting a startup going and accelerators, are, there's a bunch of them around and even more popping up. So you'd highly recommend that, right? It's a similar thing to film school. I'm really glad I did it because it taught me the nuts and bolts of what I need to do. Sure, you can do it without that, but I'm a big fan of someone double-checking my work, if I'm being honest. <laughs> We've been massive advocates for putting you the time in to educate yourself and be around people who want to help you succeed and give yeah. you and other industry professionals. I was just wondering, is that accelerator program specific to that industry or was it just a, a startup accelerator program as a general kind of... So just a general startup one. I was really lucky. I obviously started this journey when I was back in London because I was doing this journey alone. Yeah. And I caught up with some friends and they went, hey, look, there's an accelerator program. You should go chat with these guys. Chatted with them. And then thankfully they originated from Australia. So those hey. stars aligned there. That's yeah. great. For that one specifically, Hyper, what does it look like to get into their accelerator program? And how long, how often do they run? Do you know? So they've got a fairly open door policy at the moment. It's it's a six month program for the accelerator. They don't take equity. It is an upfront fee that you can pay off on a monthly basis. Yeah, you go in, you chat with them. They sound your idea. They'll either tell you yes or no straight at the outset, which can be a very nervous meeting. I'll be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. If you get rejected from that, it's not a negative to your idea. It's just go away and cook it a little bit more. And then once you're in, they'll sit there, they'll battle test your idea. You essentially got like a team of designers. I've got an amazing project manager called Andre and business development expert called Otto. who essentially just work with you. I'm doing the work, but again, they're checking it. Wow, that's super cool. I I have had the absolute honour of seeing some wireframes and some designs of the Jub Jub as a platform. So it there is quite a lot of body to it, and there's a lot of work that you've done to get it to where it is now. What roles have you fulfilled? You said you're doing all the legwork. Were you designing the platform pages? Are you like what does that look like? As in, do you fill every role in this company by necessity, or are you working out with some other freelancers that are helping you with certain aspects? So that's the beauty of Hyper is they actually sit there and do the design. So we went through and said, what's the logo going to look like? What's your branding kit? And we sat there and worked through it. So I was able to go off and do the business development side, continuing to engage partnerships. And all this stuff is just working in the background. I get to keep coming back and reviewing it. Essentially, I had an amazing team that I got to bring on thanks to the accelerator. That's really cool. All right. Investment is one 
big behemoth of a challenge and one that can be quite daunting. How have you gone about, Is did the Accelerator program help you build networks and get gain investment? Just before we jump into that, I might just yeah. take a step back oh, and frame what investment means for a project like this. Like obviously you hear the word a lot, but I'm thinking like, God, what are the steps what does it even mean? Like how much money do you have to raise to do a startup? There's yeah, before we get to the how do we do that, what is it even what is it? What's required? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I swing and a miss, right? You know, <laughs> I might as well go for the big shot. I'm looking to raise about half a million US dollars for this platform. And that's only pre-development. That's not gonna support a team, marketing, and be able to get us out there. That's the build. And the truth is, when you're talking at that point, you're talking to either very serious angel investors or venture capitalists. And there are people out there that, you know, are designed to support that business. You sit, I sit there and say, half a million, are you mad? Like, to a venture capital firm, that's not a lot of money. That's not a lot. That's yeah. not a lot. <laughs> no. And you don't, like, look, you've got to appreciate the value of a dollar. But if these are the entities that you're going to go out there and talk to. Don't be ashamed. Like... I'm crap at talking about money. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was like, my salary negotiations were awful processes. <laughs> These people are there. To them, money is a means to go build something. Don't be afraid to ask for it. That's really good. So two things. What's an angel investor and what's a venture capitalist? Sure. So an angel investor is essentially someone who's been there, done that, managed to make a significant portion of wealth for themselves and is now looking to su support new businesses. And also you're going to hear the term like outside growth. So essentially they're going to, make a boatload of money off taking a risky bet on you. Yeah, that's cool. And then obviously venture capitalists is a much more professional setup where they'll go out to other essentially rich folks, pull their money together and place bets. Oh, wait, bets, that's a terrible term. Uh, strategized investments yeah, that um, on startup companies. But they've got a timeline. Okay, we're going to start now, but you'll probably go public in five to seven years. And going public is listing a company on a stock exchange where normal people can buy it. So you've identified what you're asking for and obviously probably framed that up. We might get into the specifics of how you pitch that. I'm wondering how do you find these people? So you've got, yeah, I don't know which step to take first. Do you find <laughs> them first and then come up with the pitch or you, you've come up with the pitch and what you're asking for and then you go find the specific people? It's a weird one. It's purely based on traction. So I turned off that little voice in my head that said, don't do it, you're going to look like an idiot and just went, no, fuck it. And just refined the pitch to a point. But you had a point where I was I had a warm introduction. A warm introduction is where someone introduces you to a person. Um, so I don't know if that's, that's super good. basic. No, that's good. And to a VC. And I sent them my pitch deck and he was like, what's this? Blah, blah, blah. And I, we had a meeting set up for a Wednesday. He just went, nah, not for me. Cancelled the meeting. Didn't even speak to me. Didn't talk. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I can either go off and cry or I can say, that's a sign I've not explained what I'm building properly. And that's what I did. And so I went back and I refined the pitch. I used to lead with Jubbed as a platform for filmmakers to like fund, distribute and receive residuals for their films. And people didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I sit and say, oh, we're, we're monetizing video streaming watch time. And these people go, oh, I know that market. That, that's millions of minutes a day. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, that I'm sitting here being like, I'm going to help people. And they're like, we don't care. Like, <laughs> yes. how's it, how, what's the finances behind it? And what's you, the upside? Yeah, yeah. You just recognize who you're talking to and that's fine. How yeah. many reiterations did it take to go from that, oh, I'm helping people to here's this the This is minutes. how it's going to make yeah. money. And was there a few rejections in between then to get to that 
reiteration. So many. So I would, uh, VCs want to be found. So do angel investors. Like they're not trying to hide. Go on Twitter. They're there. They want people following them. They want to talk about their success stories. They want you to engage them. But so many of these, I'll send in your pitch decks. They'll have websites to upload and they're like, nah, nah. Um, I had one. I was like, so what's your market size? I was like, you got this, there's millions here. And they're like, too small. <laughs> Whoa. It's just like it, to draw a film filmmaking example, it's like a studio being sent a bunch of scripts or it's like casting talent for a even a video at my level in video marketing. If I'm going to cast someone, I, I might get 400 applicants. Mm-hmm. I need to go through those really quickly and efficiently and it's almost at the start, an intuitive process rather than you look at a very high level and you need to filter them out real quick. So that's what a, a VC is doing, right? They're getting, they're wanting a bulk amount of concepts coming in so that they're not having to work really hard to go and find all the gold. There'll be gold in there somewhere. So you just need a lot <laughs> to come in. But then the second thing is they're just intuitively going, they've got like a list of things that check boxes in their mind. They're going not nah, until they find one that aligns with them. It doesn't mean that those ones that they said no to weren't good. It may just be that it doesn't line up with their, what they want to fund or what they see their opportunity being or what they're focusing on. Look, absolutely. Just because you've got a no isn't a critique of your idea. It's more based on their, as you said, their area of expertise and what they're raising. If I like, ended up sending job to a medical technology VC firm, <laughs> I really shouldn't be that shocked if they're like, mate, this is not my wheelhouse. Yeah. And that that's just the nature of the beast. And you've got to persevere. If you're not willing to take a little bit of a knockback and rejection, we all work in the creative field. Like we, we signed up for this. So it, it, yeah. Yeah. So what does it look like when you're pitching? It's probably a fairly cold, unless you're getting a warm introduction, which is always a much easier position to come in from when someone's introduced you. But I'm assuming a lot of it is just cold emailing or filling out the form on the website. So do you have like a pitch deck? Does it start as just a written concept explanation with an attachment? And what does your pitch deck look like if there is one? So there are amazing resources for pitch decks. Again, Hyper, thank you for helping me build mine. My, I don't know if ever, if people don't know what a pitch deck is as uh, well. It's like a PDF presentation that has all of the key essential things, nice and visual, dot points, right? You can run someone through and they get an idea of your business. I just started using Lingo. I thought I'd correct myself. <laughs> so yeah. you've got a, you do have a pitch deck that you would usually send through. Yes. So obviously you're looking at about 12 slides on a Google presentation. First one, go and catch your interest. What are you building? And so it's a one-liner. Go through, explain the problem, the solution, and then your product. Then you go through, explain your team, how much you're raising, market size, and that, and, and then get out because they, they're going to lose interest. If there's too much information in there, it's almost as bad as having too little because even a little bit too little, they're curious. Too much, they're bored. And the ask? Have you got the art, what you're asking them for in that as well? So I'll say, I'm going to give you X amount of my company for Y amount of capital. Have you ever considered or been a watcher of Shark Tank? Great show. Love it. (laughs) How good is Shark Tank? Just watching people win and fail at their pitches. And, And it helps you refine like your own kind of process. So I was actually thinking about doing an open comedy mic night just to get up there and be like, let's see how badly bombing feels. Let's just go wow. through it. Can I be vulnerable enough? Because <laughs> wow. if I can do that in a room full of drunk strangers, I can probably go into some businessmen and be like, your idea was a bit shit. <laughs> That's so good. So you haven't followed that through, though? 
Yeah, I, no. <laughs> I'll get I think it, you should. If this week, we'll film it. Okay? Great. We'll get the yeah. cameras out. Trying to be, what's worse, trying to be funny or trying to have a good business idea? Like, Ooh. failing at which one would be worse? I don't know. Both fairly which vulnerable, I'd say. Both vulnerable. Yeah. Tricky. <laughs> we'll let the audience decide. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll film both. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> Maybe you could do it. All right. I'm going to try and be funny. Same audience. I'm going to try and be funny. And then I'm going to try and sell you an idea. So, like, hopefully you win at one of them. Right. So I just go out with a basket at the end of my comedy set, just asking for dollars. <laughs> or conversely, you're in the you're in the VC meeting and you just launch into your comedy set. <laughs> your comedy set. <laughs> Everyone, I'm so sorry I bought the wrong deck. So anyway, here's my comedy set. Uh, oh, that's great. So either you will walk away with some laughs and no money, no laughs and some money, or none of either. <laughs> Yeah. Or they just laugh you out the room, at which yeah. point then you know yeah. the answer's no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But at least you've given them some joy. <laughs> so They'll never forget you. I'll swing us back to some more serious oh, questioning, yeah. Yeah. but that was quite fun. So you've gotten past the stage of just sending that cold email and then you maybe get an invite to a Zoom meeting or a face-to-face. Have you reached that point with some investors? Yeah, yep. so I'm lucky. I'm at the point where we're doing due diligence, which is essentially just a fancy way of saying are you who you say you are? Do you have the business you say you do? Should I be concerned that you've got, I need to make sure that I'm compliant with a lot of government regulations. Yeah, cool. All right. Just talk me through when you get to that face-to-face, I'm assuming it's probably through a virtual meeting most of the time. Yes. What are your strategies? What tips do you have to convert at that stage? And maybe the first question is how many of those meetings have you had to get to that due diligence stage? So I've been very lucky in the fact that I've had some warm intros, which have definitely helped. But when you go into that situation, you've got to remember they're there for a purpose. Be confident in your ask is my big thing is you're there to go build. Don't be ashamed of asking them for money. They know they're the money people. It's not asking your parents, can I have money to go take someone out on a date? (laughs) It's I'm here to build something. You are people that professionally build it. Go and ask and be confident, but also realize they're not there Um, You can get on with them, but you're not trying to make lifelong friends here. It's, are you the person that I want to build a company with? And yeah, I go in with that mindset and just let it flow. I love that. One bit of advice that a mate of mine gave me not too long ago, he told me about a story of one of a tech startup that he pitched to a VC and they, they started going on this tangent. It was a woman that this VC, she was saying, oh, you could do this. And it was just throwing like different ideas at the at his idea and going, it looked like she was getting really engaged and she was like, you could take it here, you could go there. And he was like getting swept up in it and going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking that she was just really digging the idea. But then at the end of the day, she would just cut him off and was like, yeah, no, nah, it's not for me. It was a little game that she was playing with him to see how confident he was on his vision and how solid how solid was his vision and how Mm. could it stand the test of enthusiasm and could it it be derailed? Have you ever had one of those conversations where your idea, where you can tell they're testing you out on, on the strength and confidence that you've got? Oh, absolutely. The last meeting I had, they came back and they were like, I was like, here's how the economy works. And they were doing, oh, I'm not sure I see it working that way. I was like, it will work that way because of blah, blah, blah. And they just want to know that you've thought this through. And I believe your friend probably had that situation. I was yeah. really lucky in the fact I've got an advisor called Mike Pritchett. He's the CEO of a company called Chutzer, an Australian sort of video technology platform. And he went, look, don't pitch the farm. Like you're going in there to sell one thing. 
focus on it. Good. And that really did set me up for a bit more success. Than That's great. Don't pitch the farm. Yes. What, pitch the milk? What kind the of cow. farm are we well, talking well, about here? I think Two that's cows. his point. It's just because yeah. you've got some chickens, don't talk about that if you're trying to sell the cow milk. Yeah, um, good. And I've probably changed that analogy that he gave me in my head. No, that's actually great because <laughs> let's just unpack that a little bit. Say you've got this vision for overhauling, this grand vision of three steps down the line, but you can't get there unless you get the first step funded until you get that going. So you may have a million ideas on where this could lead to and what it's going to be, but the conversation that you're having with a a VC or an angel investor is about step one, and is that going to work? And so I think that that analogy is great. Like you, mm-hmm. you may have some chickens and some geese and like some sheep, but you need someone to get on board with the idea of the cow and making milk. Yeah, absolutely. Look, so Jub Jub, I've got an envision for it. I know what we start with isn't where we're going to end up, but I need to get this economy going. Film in, funded project on a streaming platform. As long as that little engine gets going, we can then start building all the extra bells and whistles off of it that help people, the extra utility. But I'm at the point where I just need to get that little engine going and bring along people that are keen to help me build it. Yeah, I love it. That's cool. And it maybe leads us into talking about the stages of a startup. So we've co- I think we've covered pretty comprehensively the vision, getting mm. that investor on board early. So stage one. So what are you actually asking for as stage one? What's You've said to get that little engine running. Is that kind of to feasibly test it out? And then how does that lead into the next steps of growing? Sure. So if you've got a whole load of technology entrepreneurs listening to this, they're probably going to be horrified by my approach because they're like, <laughs> now nah, get the MVP to market, go test it, reiterate, go. Obviously, I'm not a tech founder. I've got this idea and I recognize the idea is reasonably complex. We're not your typical SaaS platform, which is software as a service. It's a marketplace. There's a few get moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. And I've built the prototype, I've had it tested, I've been showing it to a load of people, I've been taking that feedback and we're iterating on this MVP in the background. It's not the initial idea that it was, you know, we have been hammering away at it. But to bring it back to your point, I'm saying, look, I've had all this market feedback, all this research, here's the opportunity, help me actually bring it to life in a presentable manner. And that's where we got introduced, right? Like you, yes. you were, you've been doing a lot of work in making connections, networking with industry so that you can run them through the idea and see if they can break it, see where the holes are, see where get lots of different people having perspective on it, eyes on it and giving you feedback so that you can go, oh, that's new information or great, that confirms the strategy that we've got of how this works. And that's how we got in touch, right? Yes. And so I jumped on a Zoom call with you and just was like, you know, this is completely new to me. Tell me about it. And then I don't know that I was of any value in that in that chat, but that's the process you've been going through. How many people have you talked to about this? And what does that research kind of process look like? Oh, I've spoken to hundreds of people about this. I'm lucky <laughs> in the fact that I've got a lot of filmmaker friends. And you would run filmmakers through the filmmaker and the audience flow and say, look, because essentially I'm asking people to build their careers on this app. It's, does this give you the tools you need to help yourself? That's all Jub Jub needs to do is, are we helping filmmakers? And I believe that will translate to value for the audience. And then audience members, I'm just saying, is this complicated? Could you navigate it? Because yeah. the, the two sides of the product should feel very different. One, have a load of functionality for you to help yourself. Audience you're not going to get lost and you're actually going to find what you're after, right? Wow. How long has that taken you? And how much would you say is too much feedback? 
so the feedback process is constant ongoing. I'm like, I'm almost at the point where I'm going to go on a street corner with an iPad and just be like, do you want to see what I'm building? <laughs> and they'll be like, sorry, mate, I don't have time. But so the feedback is always helpful. I think you do need to filter. Andre says, look, you've got to look out for things called false positives, which is where people are finding problems that aren't necessarily there. But yeah. also recognising that what people don't say is also just as valuable. I had people providing feedback. Oh, I don't like the colour of this. That icon's a bit yeah. weird. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But no one mentioned oh, your overall product flow works oh, seamlessly. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's good. People know what they're looking at, which means I've... I'm that's in the so good. If you've made it simple enough that people are like making graphic design comments, you're like, which, oh my God, as a designer, Matt does my head in. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't like blue, so you're not going to use the app. I don't, like, I don't like red, so I don't use Netflix because actually N is my least favourite letter. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, the shit people give us feedback <laughs> in that industry. Yeah, It's fantastic, but I'm like, look, if you're at the point where that icon's annoying you, it probably means you understand how this product works, which is Come good on. feedback. That I is like, great. I actually like that as a way to reframe feedback. If people have the ability to look in at those smaller details, it's it's a really great way to reframe that as actually a win. It's like that's, yeah. that they've means understood that everything the else. rest of it's really good because <laughs> they're grasping at straws to pick out something bad. Yeah. We, that's the amazing thing is that you've got to recognise that your family and friends, like, they don't want to hurt your feelings. You've got to go out there and meet people that are just, like, going to tear it apart. But also recognise people enjoy tearing things apart, so <laughs> just let them have their go at it. It doesn't mean it's always valuable. <laughs> I love it. If our listeners could help you in any way, um, what are you looking for from just people? Is there any way that people can support your journey with JubJub? The big thing that we're uh, that I'm building with Job at the moment is the email sign up is fantastic. Any sort of proof that people are after this product, and especially the audience side, because I can sit here and spend time talking to filmmakers individually. I can't do that with an audience. No. An email sign up helps me massively. Just letting people know that this is coming to market, and to uh, get excited and get ready. Unpack why that's valuable for you. An email sign up. So obviously, it's statistics, an investor will take a look at that and say, okay, this thing's probably going to be amazing if he's got 10,000 people interested in it. Yep. Yeah, it's all just data at this point and yeah. showing interest. That's great. I think from a marketing perspective, just to build on that and why emails are important is it's a very direct way to contact people yeah. compared to, say, social media where you don't know if you're going to get in front of your own. or You've got a, you've got 10,000 audience in in facebook or instagram but you only actually hit a thousand of them when you post something an email you know that lands in an inbox yeah so that's it probably carries a bit more weight than saying you've got a x amount of twitter followers or whatever it might be 100 percent. look i've got only so much amount of time in the day so i've got discord that people can join if they want to chat with me and obviously the email list but i really don't spend much time on the other socials because i'm like there's no strategy behind what i would be doing here this isn't the most valuable use yep. of my time yeah that's really good Wowzers, you've got the ideal, ambitious launch date of March 2024. As a as startup, a founder, how much of your time is dedicated to this? Are you full-time in this? I am full-time on this, been full-time since November. Wowzers. And how does that feel? When did you decide to make the jump from employed and doing this on the side to I'm all in on this? How do you make that swap over? I was working in the digital asset space and then it all completely collapsed, which kind of was uh, it a helped, force? helped make the decision for me. <laughs> but right. I mean, look, it was the absolute biggest blessing in disguise because I was like, okay, 
it's time to go build what you said you were going to build. I always said I would go get the expertise and then I would go build JubJub and it's like, now's the time. Um, and I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I get to focus on this and keep working on it. It's always a little bit scary when you're like, <laughs> I don't need a paycheck. <laughs> you've got to, I'd rather roll the dice on this and look back and say that was an amazing adventure and i got to meet like amazing corporate. I'm here today. This is amazing. I never thought I'd be here in November. <laughs> um, in Bendigo, chatting to the country creatives. Is that what you're, is that what you're referring to? I'm having an absolute <laughs> ball building job job because I get to meet exciting new people and yeah. realising that this product is going to help people. Yeah. So yeah, how cool. for a world. Wow. I'm really excited to sign up to that email list now yeah. and like see Thank how you. this progresses. It's going to mean a lot, right? It's going to change and open the doors to filmmaking and film consumption for a whole range of people that may have looked at the funding model, may have looked what it really requires to be a professional filmmaker in, especially in Australia, in such a small industry and gone the barriers to entry here are just way too big or it's this is going to have to cost me everything like i'm going to have to mortgage my house i'm going to have to get six of my family members to mortgage their houses yeah. i'm literally this is everything <laughs> to just get my first feature that will probably not make me any money and hopefully get to hollywood somehow that's what the pathway is for a lot of filmmakers who want to make a good living out of being a filmmaker but what this is going to do, I believe, is really change the game and add a new pathway that is going to mean some more content gets made, but some more filmmakers actually get to do what they really enjoy doing. And have you have you started working on your pitch for your first feature film, Caleb? Yeah. And you never is know. Is a log line? No. <laughs> <laughs> you like to fill us all in on what that actually means. A uh, log line. Yeah, log line's great. What, Thomas, what's a log line? Oh, good return serve there, sir. <laughs> uh, it, it's essentially what I did at the beginning of the podcast with a verbal pitch, but for your film. So yeah. one or two sentences. It's a one-line line explanation of what your film is. So if I like going on – I was on Apple TV the other night – and the, you will see the logline of a film or series yes. next to the thumbnail of the show. It'll be like New York detective meets big monster in an alleyway. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's just a line that it's builds like, intrigue. Yeah. And someone can look at that in a film world and go, great, that has the makings of a story that someone might want to watch. Yep. That's pretty much the purpose of it. Nice. Like an elevator pitch for a for very specific industry lingo for movies. Which <laughs> I love. Totally. I'm also very excited about this concept because it might be a way for us to help you fund your first feature film, Caleb. Yeah, thank you. I'm so on board with that. <laughs> yeah, look, the feature film, that it's a series of films that I have been working on for a long time and I'm – I think it's very ambitious. It's a period piece in the Middle East. Yeah, look. Well, we've got to have to unpack yeah, that. Do it. <laughs> another time yeah, another time. Tom, when people crack open this app in just over a year's time, about in, so let's say in a year's time, they yep. download it and they open it up, what's going to be there? What is there going to be content first up or there's going to be a whole list of pictures that you go through and you start to go, all right, what do I want to see coming up on this app? Like I, I knew this was coming. It was the fun part. Uh, so I'm actually doing what's called a go-to-market strategy, which is essentially how are you going to bring this to people? How are you going to make them aware of what they're doing? So I'm talking to various different distributors. It's very early days, talking to indie filmmakers, saying, look, if you've got a film, come upload it. 
you're going to get 95 percent of the watch time revenue for it anyway so mm. just you might yeah. as well upload your library yeah. so we should get a, like a good pool of content there for people right uh, and then i'm working mm. with filmmakers here in australia to say look I, we're probably gonna have a, maybe six projects just to start with because it's this early look come on refine it we'll give you the marketing support as well um come pitch it to our audience Ooh, that sounds like a super fun go-to-market strategy to me winner I'm keen to watch some stuff on it. It's going to yeah, be great. Very excited about that. That I th- feel like we've got think, the whole yeah, idea of your concept have. and your background, and it's been awesome learning about that startup process to go through that pitching stage and from concept development through to being a open to market Come launch. On. Thank you so much, Thomas. We have never had anyone in the startup space on here before, so it's been, yeah, echo what Reese has said. It's been heaps of fun. Cannot wait for Jump Jump. I've had a great time. Thank you ever so much for having me. Country Creatives is the brainchild of Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. It's produced by Amy Chapman with the support of the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes or catch any of the links from today's episode, you can visit us at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast and you can get in contact with us via the Instagram page, country underscore creatives. Until our next episode, which drops in two weeks, we hope you stay very well and super creative. We'll see you soon.